do no harm. If you can't do any good, at least do no harm. I've repeated this statement so often and in so many contexts that it whispers like a mantra in my blood. And as I listen to Bhavi's unfolding story about her first steps in learning how to become a Reiki practitioner, this mantra sounded to a crescendo. All these steps were just reconfirming that this is not the work for me because I just can't harm anybody physically or emotionally. Her mum calls what Bhavi has learned black magic and in some ways, she's right. I'm Anne-Marie, the Soulful Therapist. There are natural, gentle ways to heal, discover yourself and find meaning in the world. Let me introduce you to them. I'm a psychotherapist, past life therapist, clinical hypnotherapist, master knitter, Reiki master, teacher, author and seer. I specialise in trauma, helping young people and spiritual development. Shall we begin? Reiki is one of the simplest, oldest and possibly most effective methods of holistic healing known to the civilised world. Its origins are said to lie in ancient Indian sutras and in Tibetan practices which are thousands of years old. Rei means universal, and Ki is the name for energy, the life force. It's the word the Chinese use to describe the energy which flows along the acupuncture meridians and permeates the physical body. Despite its ancient origins, the practice of Reiki, which one can either do on oneself or receive in sessions from a Reiki-trained professional, couldn't be simpler. It consists of little more than placing the hands at specific areas of energy centres in the body. When I learned Reiki in 1993, most of the people who gave Reiki sessions were healthcare professionals, doctors and nurses, physiotherapists, osteopaths, occupational therapists, and tactile therapists. In those days, Reiki master teachers were like martial arts black belts who studied for years and completed initiations to become more and more masters of self. Becoming a master was not a self-styled title from completing a class. If we reflect upon our esoteric philosophy, a true master is a fully enlightened being who resonates at atomic levels of complete purity mentally, emotionally and physically, without distortion. The fact is that if we have a body, we're not masters. We operate at a level of distortion and are prone to flaws in logic. But back to our backstory. With the explosion of teaching in the 90s, face-to-face -face attunements with a master who could trace their lineage back to Dr. Yasui and walk beside you for life, turned into entrepreneurial self-branded workshops of minimal hours and they're often taught online especially today and there lies the problem um, and uh, you know he attuned me but he was also uh, someone who said that oh lesser the clothes better it is when one does energy work Reiki is a science of energy when the formulas are repeated correctly and meticulously, we have a repeatable result. That is, a connection between our seven levels of being and divine energy, whatever you perceive that to be. We're able to place our hands on and give divine energy every time without effort, leaving us and the person we give it to 
could also be a photocopier or a vehicle, but leaving them better off. When we change a divine system with personal branding, we're degrading it from a soul system to a personality-based system. And personality-based systems are limited. They don't have the universal and benign application that universal divine systems do. And sometimes they can even be harmful. So if we have a bit of a think about a chemistry example, H2O is water and harmless. You can wash your face in it. But if we add S and 4, we have H2SO4. We can't wash our face in sulfuric acid. There are now so many different Reikis. Many of them are personalised and branded for business leverage. So how do we identify a divine system of Reiki? What are the pitfalls for those new to the spiritual journey? One of the things to remember is that there are no quality standards for Reiki masters. So Bhavi was taught Reiki 1 in a one-day class, which is actually against the international standards. She then went on to uh, another class and she was taught more in line with those international standards and finally had half a day being taught to be a Reiki master. And again, that doesn't meet those international standards either. In contrast, uh, my apprenticeship in Reiki before I became a teacher was six years. And I worked alongside my Reiki teacher for every class that she taught, every Reiki one, every Reiki two class that she taught for six years. And this is the variability we're going to find in teachers people who have been taught to a level that doesn't meet the standards for being able to do Reiki or teach Reiki through to those who are extremely qualified. And this is how things can go wrong. Joining us today to help us to answer these questions is one of my favourite people. When I first met Barbie, I had no idea we were reuniting after centuries apart. We met at a past life regression workshop with Dr. Brian Weiss in upstate New York. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Gary. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, you look, you're very welcome. Any opportunity to have a chat. So I actually had, I, I did a bit of a spoiler alert last week on my website and I said that you were going to be um, speaking. Uh, somebody had actually listened to episode three, um, Past Life Travellers, and was just so caught up in the story of us being reunited. And the most beautiful thing is she had um, a very beloved relative pass away. So it gave her a lot of um, comfort. And so she would like to ask you a question. And she's a bit shy, so I'm asking for her. And she wants to know why you actually came to Brian Weiss's workshop in the first place. And I don't know the answer, which is pretty awful. <laughs> why, did you, <laughs> why did you go? Uh, I was at a point in my life um, where I had nothing to look forward to. Um, and I was hoping to understand my parents so I can break free from this physical plane. So I was almost at the edge of it. Um, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but definitely, you know, relationships of marriage didn't make sense. Money wasn't making sense. Uh, I couldn't believe that life can be just these things. And uh, if it was that, then I really didn't want to be here anymore. 
and I accidentally came across Dr. Brian Weiss's class uh, article, uh, which said that if you believe suicidal in this lifetime, you have felt that in seven other lives as well. And I was very curious to understand my patterns, and that's how I ended up checking on Brian Weiss's workshop. I was in a waiting for more than a year, and obviously oh. it had to be divine timing that, you know, it had to be the year when you were in <laughs> the class as well. <laughs> there you so go. I think it was meant to be that way. And yeah. I would say that this workshop really saved my life. Oh, that's wonderful. We were talking with um, William Meader a couple of episodes again, and what you've just said just reinforces a lot of the things that he was saying where when things are meant to be, there's that divine and right timing and you can't make it happen before and when it's ready, things just slot into place, which is just wonderful. And the other thing he says, which is incredibly uncomfortable, is what you've just said, which is if you want growth, you've got crisis ahead of it. It, it makes you go and search things out. So. So you're following your nose and searching things out because life was uncomfortable. Yeah, it sure was. And things just work out in the most mysterious way, right? So I just think uh, <laughs> it's perfect. The way it worked out, I couldn't have asked for anything different because had that not happened, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to talk. I, I could talk and have a lovely time Um rehashing our, our meeting, but everybody else can go and listen to episode three because we've got a few other things to have a bit of a chat about today. So when we met and we were learning past life regression therapy and it's the most beautiful therapy and, of course, you know, I've, I'm a trauma-informed counsellor, so when people would remember their past lives, they'd quite often remember uh, trauma and past deaths and that can be a bit of a shocking thing for people and so while I was learning I thought oh what can I do to actually help people with some of this trauma and so for me it was a very natural thing for me to actually support people learning Reiki and of course we worked sort of quite closely together so I guess that was your chance to to, to see Reiki being used in quite a practical way but I'm, again what was your impression you know, that was was that your first time of actually seeing people use Reiki? That was the first time I ever heard about this term Reiki. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember that, uh, you know, it was already the third day in the evening and I wasn't getting uh, any past life memory. And I was almost giving hope that oh, maybe this isn't meant for me. Uh, and when I discussed that with you, you did Reiki. And I'm like, okay, we'll see what that is. But it was so magical because I remember having past life uh, memory the very next uh, the very next day. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. I thought it was magic. Yeah. Um, and not just me. I remember, an, uh, I remember another gentleman who actually was there for, I think, third or the fourth time in Brian Weiss's class. And year, year after year, he would just come there uh, to see what he can learn about his journey. And, and he would sleep every time he would get past life, you know, when, when uh, Dr. Brian Weiss would take us through the journey. And you did Reiki on him too. And it was amazing that it worked on him as well. Mm, mm. And that's when I, I thought it was an amazing art to have. And I didn't know better at that time. Uh, because obviously we were learning past life. Um, 
but as I I started meeting people for past life uh, regression, uh, and when I had few who really weren't able to um, get deeper, or rather had you know kind of blockages because of our own you know um, karmas. Um, I just uh, I just remembered the work that you used to you did on me, and I felt that was. I wished I had that so I could help, mm. you know, the clients who were coming to me. So that was the very first thought that came to me that I would lo- want to learn that yeah, so that I can go touch people's life in a much deeper way and give hope to people. And that's when I started exploring Reiki. It really is a beautiful tool. I like what you've just said, which is it really does create hope. And because it's such a, a gorgeous system and it has an intelligence to it so once you learn the keys in a sense you're not doing anything you're just actually opening the door for that that divine energy to come pouring through and it it realigns people they become more and more their soul self so really as a reiki practitioner um i i like to think more it's like opening a door, giving people a glass of water, and then what they do with it after that is entirely up to them. And that's where, of course, some of the fun comes in because you're not quite sure exactly what they're going to do with it or indeed what their purpose is, what is actually right for them because you're not standing in their shoes and you're not talking to their soul. So oftentimes it's a matter of, okay, I know this is um, beautiful and it's non-harmful and I can give it to people and let's see if it helps where they're at. So, yes, it was it did work beautifully, and I must say that when I work in my clinic now, if I do past life therapy, I commonly will add Reiki to it just to give people that extra boost and get past that. Um, you, you were talking about blocks, and often it's that left brain getting in the way, talking to people and stopping them from really going deeply. So you took some advice from me uh, because there are international standards for Reiki therapists, Um, And those standards are, if people want to check back on it, the International Institute for Complementary Therapists, they recommend that if you're to be a Reiki practitioner, you really do need to have face-to-face training. The class needs to be more than one day per class. So if it's Reiki 1, that needs to be more than one day. Reiki 2, more than one day. And it needs to be face-to-face attunements with an initiated master. And the initiated is very interesting because... If you're taught, uh, certainly the system that I know, you can actually trace your lineage right back to Dr. Yasui, who's the one that rediscovered it in Japan a couple of hundred years ago. So you can actually trace that down and that you have the same initiations that you know he gave his students uh, and everything is exactly the same. So very Asian in that you perfectly recreate the same things so tell me about your Reiki training. You've had a fair bit now with a, quite a few teachers. I actually learned Reiki from four different teachers over the course of time. Uh, the first time, uh, the first time I got Reiki was uh, through you in our past life regression class. The second time I I got Reiki done from one of the teachers I learned from, um, and she taught us uh, Reiki one and two on the same day. Uh, but but uh, when I went through the Reiki session before I took the Reiki teachings from her, I actually went through five 
days of emotional trauma, stress, crying, you know, whatever you want to call that. And I remember messaging her saying, I have no idea why I am so emotional that I can't deal with it. And I was told that is the part of the process, healing process uh. that, you know, for five days you'll feel feel like that, but by the sixth day you'll be fine. And it really worked that way though. On the sixth day, I was absolutely fine. But those five days, I it was really hard as if the whole world was falling and, you know. Goodness like, me. Okay, maybe it did something. I don't know what it did, but probably it it healed something within. And, and I can't say what, to mm. be honest. Mm. Um, but then I just accepted that theory that, okay, maybe that's how it is. And, you know, I don't know why I didn't speak to you about it at that time in detail. And it's so strange that I would tell you so many things, but skip this part of it. And um, then I, uh, I, you know, I learned Reiki one and two from her. And that was just a one day class. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. yeah, that was one day and, and I probably got more of notes. And, and I know how good I have with notes. I, I keep it aside with the hope that I will get to it when I have time. But unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I learned about another Reiki teacher. And my first teacher was really good. She was extremely heart-centered. Uh, I believe that somebody who taught her probably taught her that way. Mm-hmm. It probably worked best for her that way. So she imparted that kind of teachings to others. And then my second Reiki teacher was really uh, somebody who just gets more in detail. So her Reiki 1 class was a weekend and her Reiki 2 was like three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, something in my heart wasn't letting me do it, but I still went ahead and did the Reiki too with her. Mm-hmm. Read it because I wanted to really learn and get some hands-on experience. And that teaching style was very different, which was trying to connect to a lot more to the emotional side and trying to get in deeper. And I am not somebody who likes to get in deep mm-hmm. <laughs> for no reason. So, um, you know, um, I wasn't really fitting in the pack, I feel. Um, at that time, I also ended up doing apprentice uh, apprenticeship with her. Uh, for a little while, I couldn't complete it because I had to travel back to India uh, for an extended period of time. Um, but that was different because I would feel extremely drained. And at times, I would when, when I would work on the client, I would pick up. I'm just so intuitive and, and sensitive that yes, I probably are. might pick up the emotional or physical pain. And that would completely drain me. And, and there came a time when I thought that maybe this isn't the work that I'm meant to do. So you had some real doubts about this. Yeah. And then I had about, I, I, I did my Reiki master with another teacher. And I remember it was really like a half day <laughs> Reiki master session. And again, I was given notes um, and, uh, you know, he attuned me, but he was also uh, Someone who said that, oh, lesser the clothes, better it is when one does energy work. So it was very much take take your clothes off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not directly because, you know, one has to be careful (laughs) what they did in front of me. I would have run. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a little uncomfortable class and I realized that, oh, my God, like every Reiki teacher is so different. 
And it is really important to understand which one really serves my highest good. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it is only you <laughs> who does that. So there's a lot of people teaching Reiki at the moment. Being a Reiki master is a very popular job title. And things went wrong for you. Can you tell me about that? I really started giving more thought to it when I went back to India. Uh, you know, I was serving um, my family, friends, and my um, few of my friends and, and family as well. And um, I ended up meeting a 16-year-old a family friend, and uh, I did Reiki work on him. He already went through some trauma in his young life and uh, when he was much younger. After the Reiki work, I, I have no doubts that it feels great on the day I do it. Like people feel relaxed, released, sleepy, you know, all of that. It's after effects of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he went back to his boarding school, he actually had to write, write a note to his family saying he wanted to come back. And his note that was shared was as if he had no hope and he didn't know why he's feeling like that. And, mm. you know, he doesn't know what to do and and a lot more things. But that broke my heart. And I didn't feel that somebody has to go through that. If mm. they are signing up for Reiki work, why does it have to go through the emotional pain? Mm-hmm. One doesn't have to deal with it if one is not ready. And somebody, you know, uh, I feel that people under, underestimate when we say, you know, oh, you're going to have some emotional uh, ups and downs after Reiki work. I don't think people realize how deep it could be. And, you know, it. I felt like that was harming. So that was an alarm mm-hmm. because I saw that so closely. Uh, I, it was my younger brother's wedding and, you know, he was really stressed out, <laughs> just like everybody does before getting married. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe most of them do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and... Um, you know, I did tell him that, oh, you know what, It you might just feel very emotional and it isn't the best time to do that. And he said, no, I, I really need to feel more relaxed. Why don't you do Reiki work? Trust me, the first night of his wedding, he was crying. Oh, dear. And he called me and he was crying and he's like, I don't know why I'm feeling like that. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's because I did Reiki work on you and it wasn't the best timing. And that, again, is like, why does he have to deal with that? One doesn't have to go through that. Mm, mm. So I felt that I wasn't doing something right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I Googled up, and there are so many theories, mm-hmm. similar theories floating out there, which says, you know, one feels like that because they are releasing emotions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if one is releasing emotions. Maybe they are. But what if one is not ready to deal with the emotions? Mm. So I just thought that I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, all these steps were just reconfirming that this is not the work for me because I just can't harm anybody physically or emotionally. Mm. And that's when I reached out to you saying, I don't know how to help this young guy. Yeah. I can't, I, I know what happens when you have no hope. Yeah, the next step is, you know, why do I have to be dealing with things around me and you know it's easy to give up life and I, I don't want to deal with have somebody deal with that kind of a situation so I've, I've got to say that when you reached out to connect to me I was just in awe of your courage because 
you certainly have acquired a lot of experience um, and you didn't know how to decode it. You didn't know how to make sense of it. And on top of that, you were really aware of the fact that there were results from the Reiki that you were taught. You were taught that these are you going to be your outcomes. And then you engaged that very discerning mind of yours and that very gentle heart of yours and said, why does it need to be so harsh? And these are excellent questions. Um, and it's not uncommon. And the reason why, of course, we're sharing it with everybody else is that this is not an uncommon path. You, you start getting into some sort of spiritual practice and all of a sudden it seems like the wheels fall off. You get to discern, is this right for me? Uh, is this a good therapy for anyone? Um, and it's a valid, valid question. Um, I did my version of this going back, you know, 30 years ago. So um, it, it is common. Um, I learnt a particular form of counselling which had a lot of merit to it. And what we would do is we would get together and we would talk about our feelings and it was a very close connection you created with people and you felt warm and loved and uh, looked after. But what we did, and this is the bit that was questionable, is that we would share feelings and the theory was that if you express your feelings enough or in the right way, then you will heal, rebalance, uh, and grow to the next step. That's actually not what happened. Uh, first of all, for me, and again, you know, Barbie, you and I are very similar in that we're very sensitive and we're very tuned into other people. I was a cot case. <laughs> Within a few months of that, I was so emotional that I was a drippy wreck. I was crying and it just clearly I was becoming less stable. And it was very interesting because in this group, uh, I was I, I basically had to run away because I was I was not a happy camper, and I knew this was not bringing out the best in me for my day to day living. So I basically turned tail and ran. And the message I got as I left this group was, "You are a failure, and you have let everyone else down. We are relying on you to be a part of this group." And I carried that guilt for quite some years. And it took a long time for me to actually work out that and my theory was we shouldn't have to hurt to heal. And you can hear this sort of theory all over the place where people say, go hard or go home. Um, if you want to heal something, you've got to rip open the wound and have a good look at it. And I really objected to that. I thought, surely that can't be the way. And if it is, I'm never healing because that's just way too harsh for me. And that was when I came across uh, the Reiki or the form of Reiki that I've learned. And it was for me, you know, introduced to this energy and you would give a Reiki session to somebody else even at beginner levels, you would be better off, the person would be better off. You would be more yourself, you would be more in touch with you know, the right steps for you in the world. When we teach at Reiki one level, everybody gets taught about a healing crisis. Whenever I give a Reiki session in the clinic, I always say to people, this is what a healing crisis is. And what it sounds like to me, and, and do remember, sometimes things happen where perhaps people haven't been taught correctly, um, they don't know, maybe they've had a teacher who's been of that mindset that if you express enough emotion, you will heal. We know that's not correct. So a healing crisis 
is experiencing the original symptoms in a lesser form over a very short period of time and at the end of that you are rebalanced. So with naturopathy they quite often describe that on the path to disease there are a certain number of symptoms that will actually express themselves and on the way back towards full health you will sometimes experience those symptoms in a lesser form on the way back to being fully balanced and that really is the underlying basis for the healing crisis. So for example, uh, I was providing Reiki to someone and I'd done a very careful check of what her health conditions were. And she was a beautiful, quirky young woman. I just really liked her energy and her, she loved people. And I've got a lot of time for people who love people and, and put their efforts uh, into service of other people. And as I put my hands on her head, she said, oh, wow, I've got a headache. And I said, okay, do you want me to move my hands? Now, this is standard practice, if you've been taught properly. Would you like me to move my hands? And that's always up to the person that's receiving the Reiki. And she said, no, thanks. She said, I feel like something is shifting in me. And I said to her, do you regularly get headaches? And of all the things she told me, this was one thing she didn't tell me, was she said, yes, I get headaches every month. I get severe migraines. And sometimes I can't leave the house for a couple of days. So I said, okay. So I said, well, tell me when the pain dissipates, when it shifts, when it's gone. And it would have been only a matter of less than a couple of minutes. And she says, it's gone. Now that is a healing crisis. So in all my experience with Reiki now for 25 years, that is your healing crisis. Usually by the end of the time that someone has spent with you, they're feeling happy and whole and well. That can then result in three days of an uplifted mood, uplifted health. Uh, if they do have chronic health conditions, that can be gone for a period of up to three days. Now, mental and emotional and physical health challenges are there oftentimes to help us grow. Um, I do tell all of the people that come to me, if you experience any symptoms in the next 24 hours, please get back to me because I'll generally know whether that's a healing crisis or whether something else has happened in the body. Um, if people are to the point of misery and really being very unhappy and very distressed, if they experience extreme pain, um, that's the point at which they actually need additional help. So this idea that you know we have to be mentally, emotionally a wreck in order to be able to get to a point of wholeness is not correct. And if we look at our esoteric philosophy, I can tell you why it's not correct. We have a physical body, we have an emotional body, and we also have a mental body. And the highest levels of the mental body is the, the buddhic plane. And that's where beautiful levels of light and love and divinity and all that sort of stuff come in. That's the level that my Reiki anyway takes you to. And that's why um, it works beautifully for people who are extremely sensitive. I use it for people who have been traumatized, people with post-traumatic stress disorder, people who are not neurotypical, people who are nonverbal, people who have flashbacks. The Reiki I use, I use for people who need the gentlest, most effective tool. So we go, okay, why is it we've got all these different Reikis around? And I'm not sure I actually know the answer to that. Um, perhaps it is that, you know, we need these things so people get 
you know, this incredible experience that you had and I <laughs> appreciate most of it's been a bit uncomfortable and very puzzling. But these experiences have actually really been helpful in in sort of teaching you and me with my early experience a level of discernment where we go, hang on a second, what level are we working at? And some of these things may be for somebody else and an important part of their journey, but a lot of this is really working out what is our level? Where are we best pitched? Where is our work? Uh, and then we've got the point, and, you know, Bava, your mum talked about black magic. If it's destructive, it's just destructive. And that's, you know, I think some of the things you've talked about, you know, if we've got someone who's worse off for having spent time with us, you know, you really do need to start asking some questions about whether that's something that, that you want to do. And you did, I thought... I was just very impressed with you asking all those beautiful questions. So there's your mini tutorial in Reiki. You know, it, it's so important to ask the right questions when we are trying to serve ourselves or if we are trying to serve others, especially when we are wanting to be light workers. You know, ask if does this work meet the values that I have? And and obviously the question, you know, that you keep saying that does it do any harm to anyone, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, and if that, if the answer to both of that is yes, then we probably know it isn't uh, the right thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just important to be aware of it. Mm. And it takes a lot of courage to answer those questions and go, actually, this is not really working. So if we have a bit of a look at your experience, um, and this is where you're helping everybody else, maybe a couple of other people don't need to have the experiences we've had just from listening. What were your first warning signs that, you know, you've been exposed to a few teachers there? And I do want to say about the guy who says, take your clothes off. Um, it's completely unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but the part, that's a, that's a bit of a glaring one. But you, those of us who are gentle and trusting and suggestible, we go, oh, okay, that must be part of it. No, 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 people, no clothes off Reiki, not necessary. But what were some of the other warning signs that you noticed? If, if you're normally not getting as much hands-on experience and I think getting more of notes, I think that is not what we sign up for. Mm -hmm. Because Reiki is so new. I mean, at least it was so new to me at that time that I really learn with experience. Yes. And I, and I think I should have got, you know, got the hint at that time. It, the other one that I had uh, met, she got in way deeper with emotions. Mm -hmm. it, that wasn't serving me, right? Just because for me, it isn't important to go through the past or relive something that I've already relived. Yeah, you don't have uh, to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and again, you know, it seemed like that was a part of process, but that isn't something that resonated with me. So I felt that if our gut is saying or if we feel uncomfortable about a particular situation or, you know, the teachings, it, that is a sign that one needs to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And don't shoo it off. Like I shoot it off just by thinking, you know, I just don't like to deal with emotions. So maybe it's just, you know, the way I am and I should just hold back and and just learn. But it, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think I should have just, you know, 
understood that that uncomfort was the sign that it is not the right place for me. Mm. So I think that's a really good point. Just like pain is a warning for the physical body, like pay attention, you're getting hurt here. Uh, sometimes concern, worry, fear, it may not be that you actually have to dive into the experience. It may actually be that your fear in this perspective was acting like a warning, like time to move on, time to get out of this situation. So I think that's a very good point. And your other points were, uh, if someone's teaching out of a book and not sharing their experience with the energy, that may be a bit of a, a warning sign as well. Absolutely. And, and and obviously, you know, less clothes, the better. I think that when it comes to uh, some of the spiritual context, we try to just throw away the logic out of the window. Mm-hmm. Because we've been reminded time on time that, you know, a lot of things just don't fit into the logic of the world, which I agree. But there are some basic questions we should just ask for our own protection. Yes. And if it doesn't serve us, it doesn't serve us. That doesn't make us any, it doesn't make us bad mm-hmm. or not worthy. Mm-hmm. It is just our way to deal with that situation. So it's okay to ask some questions just for our safety perspective and just don't give in to some stupid, silly logic. <laughs> <laughs> some Something you've decided is good for you, so you're going along with it. What I'm going to do in the show notes is uh, add in a little ebook uh, about Reiki, which should give people uh, a beginning point to start generating some cool questions and uh, asking good questions, giving yourself a chance to think is a good place to start. So you've been really very complimentary uh, to me with my uh, Reiki teaching. Thank you, Barvi. Uh, there are lots of good teachers out there, fortunately. It's not just me servicing the whole planet. I think I'd be quite worn out if I did. There are ways, there are different forms of Reiki and within those different forms of Reiki, we can have some excellent teachers. We don't want to go to a teacher who's actually stuck in the emotional plane um, because we can't actually heal ourselves from that level. We want to actually find a teacher who's actually resonating at that uh, that divine level. So just you've had this experience now with a few different teachers. What would you say are the qualities of a good teacher so that if you've got one standing in front of you, how would you know? What, what do you think of? When you say, okay, this is a person who's, they're a good person, they're a good teacher, and they know what they're doing. How's everybody going to identify that? I think one thing is that none of them have explained their lineage. Mm -hmm. And if they're able to explain that, that means that they really have the right source of study or, or their teachings. And they're probably there to impart the knowledge so that we can really lift up the world instead of, you know, draining it down. Um, I, I would say that is one sign of it. Mm-hmm. Um, second is this, you know, when you, when we speak, when I started talking to you more in detail about the Reiki and, you know, I'm taking tutorials from you just to make sure that I'm doing things right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Until the universe works its way out that I am there in Australia in person getting attuned. <laughs> or maybe I'll get to you. That would be interesting. Oh, <laughs> uh, that'll be cool. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> works. But uh, I, I just think that it's important to, it, is the teacher uh, really able to explain the reason, you know, the reasons provided mm-hmm. 
if it makes sense, it provides the the feeling that you know it's going to lift me up and it's going to help others as well. Then it is the teacher that you resonate with the most. You should go for it. If you think the teachings are not matching your values, it isn't something that you are able to resonate with. But you just want to kind of fit into the pack. It, you're not serving yourself well. You know, one is just going to have an experience like I did, and will wake up one day. <laughs> Waking but, up is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but when does it have to go through the situation? They can just learn it through, you know, some other experiences and just avoid some pitfalls. Well, I've found that the people who make mistakes will generally find in five to ten years' time, uh, someone else will come to them and go, why is this mess happening? So I do sometimes wonder whether those of us who've made a few mistakes, it's really beneficial because we can help, the, given it's fairly normal to grow through crisis, uh, those coming up behind us, we can ease their way a little bit. So there you go. So in all of this experience that you've had, are there any extra questions you want to ask me to try and make sense of it? How would you, you, you know, what what are the, some of the steps that you would recommend for anybody who's gone through a situation like me to become more aware and to identify the right teachers for themselves? Mm. I, th I think it's that time for reflection. If we go through life with an attitude of observing ourselves, I think that can be incredibly protective no one's perfect. We all make mistakes and sometimes we'll be influenced by someone and they it seems like, you know, they've got what it everything seems so positive. It looks like a green light, you know, everybody seems to think that this particular teacher or theory or system of doing things is just wonderful and marvelous and you know, we all get drawn into those particular situations. But if we're practicing that attitude of observing what we're doing while we're doing it and when those moments of discord come up in us where we go huh this doesn't seem to be fitting me or we have the fear or we have the worry um, it's really important at that point not to say oh I, this person's an authority or this way of doing things has been you know practiced for so long it must be right I think at that point it's actually really good to to not perhaps dismiss ourselves quite so much and you know your way is to pray um, other people may have a different way one of my favorite things to do is just take some you know knitting or something like that and go put out a blanket sit under a tree and then put a notepad beside me and then while I'm busy doing other things and for for some people this could be cooking it could be surfing just pay attention to those thoughts that bubble up in the back of your head and that at that point often when you're relaxed you know, those ideas of the way forward will pop into your head. So for you, it was my name, and that's very gratifying. For other people, it might be just stop. Um, it was very interesting. I was having a meditation the other day, and the reason I know I'm on track with this podcast is I got told in one of these relaxed moments, broadcast, and I thought, oh, there's my little signpost telling me on the right track. So the same way as you can be told, hey, you need to back out of this situation. You can also receive confirmation that you're on the right track. And as I say, some people will do it formally through prayer or meditation, but it can, it can be quite a simple process. So, yeah. That is true. And some of them might not even be aware that, you know, the teachings that they are parting is 
is not right. Well, Dr. Brian Weiss does say this is a school that we're all learning and we're all learning together, which is both rather frightening uh, at times because we're all on top of each other and also very, very heartening as well. So I thought I might just finish with a couple of ideas. And it's just I get asked sometimes the same things over and over and over and it sort of makes me giggle, but I thought I may as well answer one of these questions in the podcast today. Oftentimes I will get people who will approach me and sometimes it will be another Reiki practitioner and they'll say, hey, my Reiki doesn't work like your Reiki. Why is that? And at that moment, I know that that person is actually really asking questions about whether what they're doing is the highest vibration that it could be. And so I like to give those people a little bit of um, attention and love and just sit with them so that they can discover those questions and answer those questions. The other thing that gets presented to me, and I love this when this happens, usually somebody will sidle up to me and they go, my neighbour is a Reiki master and she gave me Reiki and I didn't feel anything. Do you think that I actually got nothing? And it always makes me laugh because there's no way really for me to tell unless it was in the room at the same time. But if people have not been taught properly, then it is quite conceivable that that person actually received nothing at all. So it's really good to use um, that discerning mind. Sometimes, of course, we have those unfortunate experiences where there can be like a, a negative, harmful outcome. Um, if you've got someone that is very vulnerable and they cry for five days, I would evaluate that as, as harmful. And the only way to really determine whether it's working or not is really observe the results. And of course, that was what was um, made you ask questions, Barbie. I really want to thank you for sharing your story. It actually takes an enormous amount of courage and it demonstrates a real integrity. Um, and you've shared this sort of difficult experience so others can learn. And I just think that's a wonderful gift for everyone. One of the first spiritual lessons is discernment. It's normal to try different things. We grow from our mistakes as much as we do our successes. And sometimes our mistakes actually teach us even more. I am going to be teaching Reiki in Adelaide in a couple of weeks. So if you're listening and you think, hmm, maybe I'd like to have a bit of a look into that, you can go to my Facebook page or website. In my show notes, you're going to find a link to my Reiki ebook in search of healing. And, and this is really important, I think, Barbie, you've mentioned character uh, and, you know, quality um, several times. In South Australia, we have a code of conduct and a lot of the Reiki practitioners don't know. This legally applies to all Reiki practitioners in South Australia. Wherever you are in the world, there is likely to be a code of conduct. If you look for or search for code of conduct, unregistered health practitioner, you're likely to find something for your regional area. If you stick within that, um, and if you're looking for a Reiki teacher, if you can trot around that little checklist and Tick the boxes on um, prospective teachers, you're likely to find a really good one. Now, Bavi, I think the thing that's worth repeating is ask great questions. You know, ask people, what is your lineage? Um, sometimes people will say, uh, I'm self-taught. Um, now, when people say this, uh, what's happening is they're actually using Reiki synonymously with spiritual healing. Spiritual healers are born. 
And so that is the case. It just arises up in them at the right time in their life. They often can't teach people what they do. It's a completely natural talent. And we have got some incredible healers who are spiritual healers. Um, Charlie Goldsmith is one of my favorites. Um, so there are people doing this. And I think we, we do spiritual healers a great disservice when we label what they do as Reiki uh, because what they do is distinct, unique, and beautiful. Another question to ask of a potential Reiki teacher is, is there a code of conduct that applies to local Reiki practitioners? If they don't have an answer for that, then they may not be uh, the teacher for you. If the teacher you're talking to doesn't know the answers to your questions, if they make you feel bad for asking, if they tell you to read the book instead of teaching you, if they tell you that they feel drained after a Reiki session, or they're extremely emotional, uh, and my favourite, if they lack humility, or if they can't laugh at themselves, for me, I'd look for another teacher. And my, by the way, my favourites are the ones that can laugh at themselves. My graduates are working in hospitals, community services, complementary services, education, and especially palliative care. Their accreditation with an international body allows them to meet government regulations for quality audits, and it just really helps them represent the work they do as therapeutic, holistic, and especially professional. They're not spiritual healers. They are unregistered health practitioners. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much, Barbie. I, I just really appreciate you sharing your story, uh, and I'm hoping quite a few people can learn from it. Thank you. You're welcome. Talk another day. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I love reading the comments on iTunes. I love getting questions, and I need more of them. You can record your questions on your smartphone and email them to me at anne at I'll do my best to answer questions every week. Your requests for spiritual mentoring and storytelling have created something really special, so I hope you enjoy it, and if you do, please share with a friend or two.